today uh, we're going to finish up a little series on the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer finds itself uh, in sermon, in a sermon in Matthew 5 through 7, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in the whole Bible, a whole Bible full of prayers. And so when I thought I was going to end this series on dealing with some of the issues that might pop into your mind about prayer, I thought, oh, that would be no problem. Uh, should be easy to manage, but this week, at the beginning of the week, um, it's not. It's hard to try to answer everything that comes to mind on prayer. The Bible begins in Genesis with men calling on the Lord in Genesis 4. It ends in Revelation where John says, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And there's hundreds of prayers in between. And so um, coming up with the series, I actually called the elders this week and I said, Here are my, here's what I'm thinking. And in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. And they said, Do that. And so I did it. And so out on the table, one of the things I was going to do, I was going to deal with prayer, frequently asked questions. I'm not going to deal with all 12 of these. There's about a dozen of them in a handout on the front of the table, uh, all the way from why pray, who do we pray to, where should we pray, how should we pray, just the questions that come to mind that's out there for your taking. Also out there is 18 things you can pray for your church. And so today I thought I'd just keep it simple. Uh, knowing that you can't cover everything on prayer in one Sunday and knowing that we'll probably talk about prayer again sometime in the future here at a church, just like we would talk about the Bible, right? Over and over again. I wanted to keep this really simple. And so I, I am going to give you my challenge up front and just work it out through the scriptures. And so here it is. And this is the simple challenge I leave you with in this series on prayer. And I really am saying this to myself. Start praying and stay praying. Start praying. Perhaps some of us need to begin again uh, or just start for the first time. If you've never really been a person of prayer or you've kind of given up on prayer, you've prayed long enough, hard enough, and you're wondering, why should I continue to pray? This May this sermon encourage you to get back in the game. Perhaps some of you are here and you've been faithful to pray. I've just heard this morning people have been faithful to pray for 18 years to see God work in somebody's life. Perhaps you've been praying not quite 18 years, but you've just grown weary and you just want to give up. I hope this sermon encourages you to finish and just finish the game. And so basically the outline is, is start praying. There's about six uh, points I'll make and stay praying. There's about one point I will make from there, seven points total, because seven is the number in the Bible that if you want to make points, you throw seven out there and everybody's like, oh, seven points on prayer. So here we go. Here's the first point. Number one, if you want to start praying, this is, this is huge. I know this will blow you away. Pick a place and a time. We make specific appointments for what's important to us. Next Saturday, I know of two people in particular who would be really upset if I'm not at a particular place, Beaver Creek Chapel, at a particular time. Now, I need to call and find out what time they want me there because they're getting married at 6, but I'm sure they would want me there like at 6 in the morning just to make sure the pastor's there. I'm happy to do it. Get a tent, read a book, whatever it is. But they want me at a specific place at a specific time because that's very, very important to them. Amen. And every single day of the year, every year of your life, you and I have an opportunity to speak to the God of the universe. 
And I'm pretty certain that if we pick a place and we pick a time, uh, we will be more apt to pray than if we try to just pray along the way. Where should we pray? This is one of those uh, frequently asked questions. Acts 16.13 says, And on the Sabbath day, they, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. And so Paul went out to a place of prayer. It could be down by the river. It could be in your inner room. But where is your place of prayer? I actually, in my room, uh, just tell it, I used to do work. I like work at Yeti's, work down in my basement and all sorts of places. But I said, you know what? I'm no longer going to work in this specific spot because it gets convoluted in all that goes on. And so that's going to be a place for me personally of prayer. And then there's a time. When should you pray? I think, and we'll see in a few minutes, all the time. Absolutely. But I think also at appointed times. Where do I get that? From the scripture. Daniel 6.10. Daniel, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that there would be no more prayer to be prayed to anybody but the God um, that the king had said, he went to his house where he had the windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, not Nebuchadnezzar, as he had done previously. This was a custom in his life, three times a day, morning, noon, and night. In Psalm 4, 8, uh, David said, I will both lie down, I will, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Perhaps that is an evening prayer. Right next to that, in Psalm 5, 3, David would say, O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. David prayed at night, David prayed in the morning, and David prayed at at noon, Psalm 55, 16 and 17. But I call to God and the Lord who will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. David prayed morning, noon, and night. Jesus prayed morning, noon noon and in the evening. In Mark 1.35, it says, in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he went to a certain place. There's another biblical argument for having a place and he prayed. Often it was the mountains for him. Jesus prayed in the context of Mark 6. It was during a busy day and it said he had moved away from there and he went and he prayed. In Luke 6.12, one of the most convicting verses on prayer, Jesus spent the entire night in prayer. This is the Son of God This is the one who knows all things. This is the one who knew his mission. He knew who he was going to pick. He knew who would betray him, but he spent all night in prayer. All night. And so some people say, oh, you've got to pray in the morning. Because if you don't pray in the morning, they emphasize the morning. As if the morning was more holy than noon and evening. And then some, I just know, who are night owls, and they don't start to turn on. I mean, I'm, I'm fading at about seven, I'm yawning. About nine, if my head hits the pillow, I'm out. There are some people at nine, they're just, they're just getting warmed up. And so morning, noon, or night, all day, if you will. Acts 3.1 shows kind of a combination of a certain place and a certain time. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer 
the ninth hour. And so we know from John 24, we don't have to go to a certain place. The woman at the well was saying, no, you have to come to this place. And Jesus says, no, 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 a time is coming where you will neither worship here, though there is times for a specific place, don't get me wrong, but we can pray and worship anywhere. But it's good to come somewhere for some of the time so that we can pray all the time. Luke 18, 1. They ought always to pray and not lose heart. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Holy Spirit. Colossians 4.4, continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And the classic 1 Thess 5.17, pray without ceasing. Now this doesn't mean this is all you do, any more than being devoted to your wife is means just hanging out with her all the time, though that is really good. But his devotion for his wife, a man's devotion for his wife, causes her him to look at her and his relationship to her differently. And so being devoted to prayer, as we'll look at in a minute, means we, we give significant time to it, that it's a pattern of our life. Richard Foster said, You will never pray all the time and everywhere until you pray some of the time somewhere. It needs to be a discipline before it is a freedom. Someone else once said, You don't have to pray more than all you do. In fact, you cannot. But you can pray before all you do, and there's no reason you should not. It should be a priority that soon becomes naturally. That's number one, pick a time and pray. Number two, dialogue with God. Prayer is, a, is the communication between a human being and God. Speak to Him. Listen to Him and speak. Listen to Him in His Word. It is the undeniable voice of God. I want to read you a quote. It's kind of long, but I want to read it to you and then engage with another article that blew me away. Oh, how precious is the Bible. It is the very word of God. Now just hold on to that and listen to this. Paul said in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.13, when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left at Carpus at Troas, with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books, especially my papers. There's a gentleman who's done a book called Paul and Money, and he walks through how much you do you think it would cost for Paul to write the Scriptures. Here's what he says. Our digital world makes it difficult to appreciate the value of words. We send each other texts and emails, which we answer and then delete. We write a letter if we have something important to say, and on special occasions we send a card. If we really want to make an impression such as a wedding or a graduation invitation, we pay extra to put our message in formal script. I just received a couple of those this week, wedding invitations. They're just pretty. They're special. You want to put them on your refrigerator. You, you, just, you don't want any coffee stains to get on them. They're just so nice. Our form of communication depends on its function. We wouldn't use calligraphy to write out our grocery list, and we wouldn't use email to propose marriage. If you have... This may be a reason she said no. That's funny. Because form follows function, God chose an expensive, time-consuming process to write his holy word. Each copy of Romans would have taken two to three days to write out, and scholars estimate this epistle would have cost Paul, and this is in today's U.S. dollars, $2,275. 
Books such as Luke and Acts were twice as long and would have cost $7,000 each, not counting Luke's research expenses. Perhaps, this is an insight I'd never thought, Luke dedicated his books to Theophilus because he was the patron who covered his expenses. Oh, how precious is the Bible. And we have it in all forms today. It is the very Word of God. In it, God speaks in the 21st century. This is the very voice of God. And you can follow my quote up on the board. By this voice, he speaks with absolute truth and personal force. By this voice, he reveals his all-surpassing beauty. By this voice, he reveals the deepest secrets of our hearts. And here's a key phrase for me. No voice anywhere, anytime can reach as deep or lift as high or carry as far as the voice of God that we hear in the Bible. It is a great wonder that God still speaks today through the Bible with greater force and greater glory and greater assurance and greater sweetness and greater hope and greater guidance and greater transforming power and greater Christ-exalting truth than can be heard from any voice in any human soul on the planet outside the Bible. The great need of our time is for people to experiencing to experience the living reality of God by hearing his word personally and transforming in scripture. And here's my other key sentence. Something is incredibly wrong. Incredibly wrong. I'll just stand sit right there and insert my own comments. Something is incredibly wrong. And the words we hear outside of scripture are more powerful more affecting to us than in the inspired word of God. I don't ever in my entire life for the rest of my time on this earth, I don't ever have to hear anything audible. I don't. Because I have 66 books. And if God wants to speak uh, to me I think he would say, do you know all 66 of my books? Do you? I've been doing it for a while now, but there are still things when I read his word, I'm like, that is insightful. That is something I've missed. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. So let us listen to God in his word. And we listen with our eyes, right? We read the Bible. And then let us speak to him. Let's just have a conversation. If it helps you, sometimes it helps me to pull up a chair and just, Lord, I know you, you told Joshua, do not, be do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You are with me, Joshua. He said to Joshua, Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But if it's helpful to pull up a chair, look at this. It's like you're waiting for me to do this. Thank you. Just to have a conversation and just, if it helps you, bow your head and pray. You don't even have to bow your head. We'll talk about, talk about that in a minute. One thing that I, that's helped me in my personal life is to listen to God in His Word and speak to Him in prayer. And I've come up with a word I invented that I should coin it and probably try to sell it. It's called preed your Bible. Pray and read. Preed your Bible. Don't just read your Bible, don't just pray, but preed, pray and read. Read a little bit of the Bible, 
pray. Pray a little God, talk to him, read. It's a nice dialogue. It's a great conversation. That's number two. Number three, prioritize the spiritual over the circumstantial. This is probably the most controversial because it's not tied to something we immediately see. There are millions of people to pray for. There are millions of things to pray about. But it seems to be me in my own life and prayers and the ones I hear, often we pray more for our daily bread than God's kingdom come. It's easy to pray for ourselves and our family and our friends. But we should be more fervently and consistently praying for the bigger things. That's why I gave you that handout, 18 things to pray for your church. If Ephesians 6.12 is true, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the ruler, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, then certainly I can give attention to God's bigger picture than my problems. And what makes me think that my problems are so big for God? What makes me think that what's going on in my life, though it seems huge, it's not a problem for God? My suggestion would be take the Psalms because they allow you, they biblically guide you on how to be emotional when you talk to God. We're going through them in the men's study right now. And in in Psalms in the 60s, this is David crying out. Uh, He is letting God know what's on his heart, but often he will cry out for himself and immediately and he just goes and he prays for the nation. Or take a look and just give a month. Just give a month. See what God does. Give a month and just pray through. Not even a month. We'll just 13 days. Pray through God's, Paul's prayers that God has given us in his epistles. It would seem to me Paul is far more concerned that our love would increase and abound for one another, or he would establish our hearts and make them pure, than whether or not we get a job. I know what you're thinking. So you don't want me to pray about me getting a job. No, we want to pray for that. Amen. And we are praying for that. But God is in control. Here's maybe how we could tie it together with Paul in 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. I love that. Now think about this. In Ephesians 4, 1, it says, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy. That is a command. This is what we're supposed to do. Here Paul says, pray that God would make us worthy of that calling. And that he would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Oh, God, the resolve is I do need a job and I do want this to happen. But would, would my resolves be done for good? Would they be done by the work of faith through your power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ? Tying our prayers, whatever they may be, to Paul's prayers, not that... John's or, or Luke's are not as good, uh, but Paul is, gives you a letters right there that he's often showing you his prayers. That's number three. Prioritize the spiritual. Your name, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do that first. I think there's a reason why Jesus said that first. And then 
God, give us this day our daily bread. I need a job. God, pardon my sins. I spoke partially to my wife the other day, or I didn't treat my daughter with respect. Lord, forgive me for those things, and I know I can have fellowship with you because you cleanse me of all those things. Number four, I love this one. Pray now instead of later. What a joy it is to be wherever you are and somebody says, hey, this is going on in my life. Let's pray about that right now. Here's what I, I've gotten into a habit of either praying if I'm on the phone. I did it this week with somebody on the phone. said, let me pray for you right now. Because all too often in my sinful brain, I'm just telling you, I don't know. I think it may be common to man, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But I'll say, I'll pray for you. Thank you, brother, for you. And then I go about my day. And uh, you see him again. You're like, I am so sorry. Did God answer the prayer that I didn't pray? Because I forgot. So I'll call. If somebody's on the phone, say, can I pray for you right now? I'll text it. Hey, what a way to use social media. Lord, do this through a text. Or what is wonderful to see is people wherever they are, in a restaurant, in a coffee shop, just praying. I see there's, a, there's some guys that do their work at Yeti's on Monday morning. They kind of have their business meeting there. And often I'll walk in and their heads are bowed. And it's what a witness. They're praying for their company and those things to happen right there in their life. What a, what a, how cool is that? Pray now instead of later. And number five, I love this one. Ask for whatever you desire. Do it. Just See, you're, there's no, I'm not limiting you. Ask for whatever you desire, but let me give you some guidelines. Not a limit, just, just guidelines. Overarching things we should pray for. Number one, John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name. In my name means it's not a tag you just throw on somewhere so you can, it's a guarantee. I was praying for the Jeep in Jesus' name. Um, it means according to God's will, This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me, Jesus is saying you can pray to him, anything in my name, I will do it. And so God will be glorified. Rail. The other rail, John 16, 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Again, the qualification in Jesus' name. Ask and you will receive. Make sure it's in Jesus' name. That your joy may be full. So what you just said, Judd, is God can be absolutely glorified and I can be full of joy through prayer. I didn't just say that. John just told you that. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And after those two things, here's what I would say. Pray for anything. Anything. Pray for everything. Pray knowing that God answers bold prayers. Bold prayers. That was number five. Ask whatever you desire. And number six, this is huge. Keep on asking. I could go back and I could talk to you about Luke 11. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open for you. And the way that's set up is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Just keep doing it. It may take 18 years. It may take longer you keep asking, you keep asking, and you keep asking. 
Since 1997 in Denton, Texas, I've prayed for Elder DeBell and Elder Ford. I may never see them again. Two Mormons that showed up to my doorstep right there in Denton. And for some reason, those two guys, the Lord has laid upon my heart. I've got their names memorized. I don't know why, but I'm praying for them. And maybe someday, maybe, and if not, I'll just be faithful to pray. Maybe someday get to heaven. And Elder DeBell said, yeah, I went from being an elder in the Mormon church at 18, right, on the road again, to being an elder over. Wouldn't it be cool if they showed up at Eagle Bible Church? That would be really cool. That would be really cool. But until then, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to pray for my family members, friends from high school and college that don't know the Lord Jesus. And this church... Seven years has gone by, and it's the, the vision that's been prayed for is beginning to unfold. Seven years. What's going to happen in another seven years? We need to keep on asking. It goes back to our first sermon in this series, Be Persistent in Prayer, which leads to the second point of that challenge. Start praying, stay praying, and here's the seventh point. Be devoted to prayer. I want to show you from the scriptures that word devoted is used 10 times in the New Testament. Right here in Romans 12, 12, I choose the New American Standard because it services the word. Rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. The ESV says constant, but it's more consistent. Devoted to prayer. It's used in Mark 3, 9 about a boat that's devoted for special use. It's used in Romans 13, 6 for people who are devoted for special use, i.e. the government. And four more times it's used out of the 10 times in the New Testament, half of them on prayer. Acts 1, 14. All All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Acts 6, 4. Ben, Jim, myself. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. That is what leaders are to be. We're to devote ourselves to praying. God will act through our prayers. But Judge, you always talking about God being sovereign. Yes. He is sovereign, and He works through our prayers. In Colossians 4.2 in the NAS, devote yourselves to prayer. How? Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And if we commit to being devoted to prayer, I assure you, I assure you there's one person, at least one person in the world, what are you talking about? One being in the world who will not like it. We have an enemy. Listen to this quote. It should be up there. Expect Satan to tempt you most viciously at those moments and periods when you are seeking God most vigorously. You say, I want to be devoted to prayer? Guess what? You will get some lies from Satan. Here they are. This is Satan's lies to you. You don't have the right to speak to God. Who are you? And Satan will take the truth 
and they'll turn it against you. He's holy. He's altogether different than you. How are you? Who do you think you are? To pray to God, you sinful person. You haven't prayed since last week. Don't start praying for that. Prayer doesn't really do much. Forgot to pray today? Don't worry about it. You can do it tomorrow. I mean, it's not like it does anything anyway. It's a safety blanket. It'll make you feel good. Or here's one. This could be Satan's lie. Hey, if you're going to pray, spontaneity is the important thing. I mean, it needs to be authentic, genuine, real. I mean, how could you write your prayers on paper? Or how could you take something written by somebody else, written a long time ago, and read it and think you're really praying to God? God's calling. (laughs) Had to do that. And here's the other one. Distraction's okay. God knows what you need. I mean, check that Facebook. Check this. I think you remember a couple weeks ago I talked about an app on my phone. And it says, well, don't, don't, don't hit the prayer app now. No, hit the, hit the email app. I'm sure the elders have sent you something that you just have to read. Or I'm sure. I can just see it. God knows what you need. No, no, no. Or here's the one. Hey, yeah, just pray, but just make sure you're focused on yourself because your needs are really important. And he'll overemphasize that. Those are Satan's lies to you and I on prayer. So let's be devoted to prayer, but you're thinking to yourself, okay, I love this. I've got a time and a place. I'm going to pray about everything, but sometimes I get lost and I just get confused. How should we pray? Should Do I need to sit in the chair and bow my head, close my eyes? Good question. This is in the FAQs. Let me begin with a little poem on how to pray. It's called The Proper Way to Pray. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. They would quote to you now, Daniel 6, 9. Did you remember Daniel got on his knees? No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and wrapped in unturned eyes. I could give you First Kings 8. This is how Solomon prayed. Oh, no, 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 said Elmer Slow. Such postures, much too proud. A man should pray every day with eyes closed and head bowed. Seems to me his hands should be austerely clasped in front with both thumbs pointing towards the ground, said Reverend Dr. Blunt. Now this is good. Last year I fell in Hitchkin's well head first, said Cyrus Brown. Both my heels were sticking up and my head was pointing down. And I made a prayer right then and there, the best prayer I've ever said. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed was standing on my head. What's the point? I don't care how you pray. Eyes closed? Sure. Hands clasped? Great. Standing with arms open? Awesome. Kneeling? Walking? Whatever it is. Pray. I love being in prayer in small groups and at the church and just watching how different people pray. And there's a dear brother. He just, he just, he, I guess for him, he, he listens as his, as his eyes are open. The first time I saw it, I'm like, you must not be as reverent as me. <laughs> but then my eyes were open. <laughs> it's awesome. So pray, just pray. Don't let the form 
consume the function. But here I want to get real practical. How do we, how should we pray? How, what's a good guideline? For the glory of God and for the joy of man, but yes, what, walk me through some of this. I give you these because these have helped me because honestly, I need all the aids I can get in prayer. This is me personally. Perhaps you're one who you don't need these aids. Good for you. Keep on keeping on. Do what you do. But for me, pray acts where your spiritual life fades. What do you mean by that? Number one, pray. I love this acronym. And I love this more than any of them because it, it forces me to begin with prayer and it forces me then to listen to God. It involves all the elements of the ACTS acronym. But you praise God. You adore Him for who He is. You thank Him for what He's done. You repent. You confess your sins. You renew. God, by Your grace and for Your glory and the enablement of the Spirit, I renew not to do that again. Ask that, that supplication that I will petition God for my needs. I will intercede for others in this church. And then I love this yield. That God, I, these are my prayers, but now I will yield and I will read Your Word. Guide me through it. The classic acronym, I've been using this since, since I became a believer, is ACTS, and it's a good one. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And one I throw out there for you that I think will be helpful is called fades, because you don't want your spiritual life to fade. It answers all those, a lot of the questions in the FAQ. How should I pray? I think it should be both free and formed. Free and formed. Free. Pray for whatever comes to your mind, but formed. Pray through lists. Pray through books. If you're God, I don't think you need any lists. I think you can keep it up in your head, and I think you can keep it situated, and, and I think you don't get distracted. But for self, um, this one's served me well in the past. The, the Psalms for prayer, it's literally all the Psalms in the New King James Version. Hey, hey. But they give you bold sentences to guide you through prayer. One of the ones I ran across in seminary, a friend of mine, Adam Richardson, who was part of BTCP and Compass in Russia, it's a guide that, again, it's, it's the balance between freedom and form. It's just all scriptures, but it's talking about adoration, confession, renewal, and they give you prompts. Today, pray for the government, etc. A classic one is the Valley of Vision. These are the prayers of the Puritans, just captured here for you to read. It's a wonderful one to pray. Pray through lists. Pray through books. Free and formed. Pray alone and assemble. If the first is what you pray, this is with whom you pray. By yourself, everyone needs to have a private prayer life. What a sweet joy it was this morning to see someone just walking around the church praying. Assemble with others. What a what a sweet it was to see eight people gathered around the table praying for this service today. We're almost in double digits. Not that double digits means anything, but that would be cool. So you have a private prayer life. You have a public prayer life. Delighted and desperate. Desperate. When there's pain and when there's trouble, cry out to God. Even in your own life, if you're living in sin, if there's a sin that's that you're allowing to conquer you. You're more than conquering. Go to God. God's not going to go clean yourself up and then enter into prayer. You desperately go to Him. It is the prodigal son who is running to his father. I'll go to my father, and this is what I'm going to do. And God says, I'll come meet you. And delighted when you're filled, thrilled and full of joy. 
pray. Just thank God. When you walk out of here and you see the beautiful sun, the mountains we get to see every day, just thank you, Lord. He honors that. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to thank God when I get in my room during the T portion of my acronym. Right? Just let her go. I would add to this, by the way, this fades comes from Dr. Piper's article, Be Devoted to Prayer. But I would add another D word there. I didn't add it here because that's not mine, but dreaming. What are you and I dreaming about in our families, in this church, in this city, this valley, that only God can answer? Do we have the courage enough to pray that God would save 136 million men and women in Bangladesh where there's 0.0% Christians? Do we have that? Do we pray those prayers? God convert the whole country. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, I just, I don't think God could do it. God could do it? What are we dreaming about that only God can answer in prayer? Do I have enough imagination to, to pray and, and, and to think, God, you could, end, you could end sex trafficking in India. I know you will end it when you come and you establish your reign. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But right now, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And explosive and extended. If free informed is what you pray and alone and assembled with whom you pray and desperate and delighted is why you pray, explosive and extended is how you pray. Explosive is short and to the point. That's Nehemiah before uh, the king when he said, what's going on? He said, I prayed to the Lord. And then extended is long and well argued. That's Nehemiah in chapter 9 where he just lays out the confession of his whole nation. It's Psalm 119. Somebody have asked, what's the longest prayer in the Bible? Psalm 119 is the biggest I-to-you conversation in the Bible. And it's not just about the Word. Oh, it talks about the Word. But it is a long, extended, well-argued prayer. And then finally, spontaneous and scheduled, that's when you pray. We've covered that. Pray anywhere, all the time. And pray at appointed times. Those are some acronyms that can help you. Uh, if you wanted to expand on that, um, there are certain things you could do. I got this from The Art of Neighboring, and I'll give this copy to whoever wants it, but that's your house, and then you go around your house. Who are the people that are living around me? Do I know them? What's going on in their life? How can I pray for them? Another one is, I got this right off the Internet. It's a good one. See, I need all the helps I can get because I'm not too smart, but this helps me. Praying for our children, the next generation. I've been praying that for you for a long time. And just the other day, on a series on prayer, I asked that my children would be committed to prayer and not faint or lose heart. Perhaps you just, you've, you, you've got a steel trap of the mind, good for you. Just use the concentric circles. I'm going to pray for the needs of my soul, my family, my church family, my community, whatever it is. Use note cards, use journal, digital or, or paper, use digital apps. Like I've said before, I, I can't do apps because I just get distracted. <laughs> what works best for me are short lists or even three by five cards. Use Operation World. It is a great website where you could just download and it sends you an email. Or you can click on there and today we're praying for Bangladesh. Tomorrow we're praying for another B country and it just works you 
systematically through the countries of the world. But what the point of all this is we want to be devoted to prayer to make our lives, that prayer is a pattern, that we would do it daily when we get up, when we eat, when we eat, before our meetings, when we go to lunch, before our workouts, at dinner, as we go to bed. We'd want it to be weekly, Sundays before church, Sundays in church, Sundays or whatever day you do your small group, at our Bible study. Here's what I hope to happen this fall. I, I would love a monthly meeting that we're committed to doing it daily in our homes, weekly here in the church, monthly. We used to do this in, in a singles group. It was a little bit easier to, to do. I, I get that. But we just call it Last Friday Prayer where there was grilling and chilling. Everybody just brought food, we ate, and then we prayed, and then we played games and talked. We have, even have the dates here that we could book these if somebody wanted to host this. Yearly, I'd love to see us just take the first week of every year in a different person, at different houses, that we would go and we would pray. That it would just be a pattern in my life, pattern in your life, pattern in the life of the church. And so you start praying and you stay praying and I'll end with some good theology that you can, you can just take from the marketplace. It's the Nike principle. Here it is. Just do it. Absolutely, God must enable you to do it. Just do it. Don't think too much about it. If all this has confused you, you're like, praise it. Actually, spiritual life fades. That's weird. He's got acronyms. Did he just get out of seminary? Just do it. Just pray. God acts when we pray. God is absolutely sovereign. He's worked it all out from beginning to end. Everything. He knew I'd wear this good-looking shirt today. But he's moved through our prayer. Maybe somebody prayed that I'd wear a good-looking, like, he's rude. He's a good-looking shirt today. Boom. Here you go. Answer to your prayer. Pray. 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 Father, I pray for anyone in here who is prayer for them has just become something that's on the shelf and they've been discouraged. They don't know how that they would start praying. And Father, I pray for anyone in here who's been faithful day in and day out. They've been on their knees. They've been walking around their prayer room. They've, they've done prayer walks for whoever they are, for whatever they're praying. I pray that they would stay praying. I pray what Paul wanted to pray for the Thessalonians. That you, God, do a mighty work in our hearts. That you would pray, that you would, not that you would pray, but that you would work in our lives. I pray that you would make us worthy of your calling. We can't do this on our own. And I may pray that every resolve for good, and I would think, Lord, in your plan that our resolves to want to pray are good. 
I pray what it says here in 2 Thessalonians 1, that every resolve for good, every work of faith by your power would be fulfilled so that the name of your son would be glorified and that our lives would see the peace that comes from being a praying people. God, if anyone's here and they feel like they've just, they've gone too far and can't, would you show them it's so simple just to come back to you. We're never too far from you. And for those who have been just doing it for a long, long time, give them the encouragement to keep on keeping on. I pray these things for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of this town, this valley, this state, the United States. And I pray for all churches across the country. And I pray bold prayers that you would stop sex trafficking. And we pray like John. You would come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.